All right. Did you have a good Christmas? All right. A few of you did. How many of you are like me, ready for your kids to go back to school? Amen. <laughs> you have a Bible, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So one of the things every preacher faces is on uh, every holiday, you can just either step into the cliche or you can ignore what's happening. You can just ignore the fact that it's a, a holiday and just keep trucking on whatever you're going to do, or you can just step into it. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of both. I'm going to be classic Pastor Mitch today and uh, put a little bit of a spin on the typical New Year sermon. All right. Most of the time, those of you who have been in church, on New Year's, we will, as pastors, take the opportunity to say, it's a new year, and it can be a new you. However, today, I want to remind you uh, that it's a new year, all right. However, unfortunately, it is the same you. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? How many of you have ever kept a New Year's resolution? Two of you and you're kind of ashamed to admit it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, let, let me ask another question. If you've made a New Year's resolution, how many of you have broken a New Year's resolution? All right. All of your hands should go up, right? We, we, we are creatures that we feel this sense that in a new year that there is the opportunity for a new beginning. And honestly, that's true. There is something about a fresh start. There's something about uh, a new year that reminds us of what I believe is the center of the gospel. That in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so in that respect, I wholeheartedly endorse the new year, new you. But what I think most of us find to be true at every turn of the year, and the older I get, the more obvious this becomes, is that by like tomorrow, I will be reminded that I am the same person that I was today. But what I want to walk you through today in a Redeemer City Church fashion, if you have notes, they're in the YouVersion Bible app, there's some in the back, you can feel free to stand up and grab one if you want, or you can just take them on your own. But I want to give you six ways, six ways that you can finally become that person you want to be. Six ways that you can finally make this new year the one that you have always wanted. It sounds good, doesn't it? You're excited to hear it. John chapter 3. Those of you who know me, you know there's a, this is a bait and switch. You know it. <laughs> John chapter 3 begins with a story of Nicodemus. If you were here on, on Christmas Eve, we talked a little bit about that. And Nicodemus getting the... Uh, rundown on what Christ meant when he said, you must be born again. 
if you don't know Christ as your Savior at this turn of the year, it truly can be a new year, new you. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ came to earth as a baby, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life because you couldn't, died in your place on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, that you would have a way to be made right with God, and that he rose again three days later to give you life. And we would love nothing more than on this New Year's Eve for you to truly not be the same you. And we would love nothing more than to walk you through how you can uh, be a follower of Jesus and be born again, just like Nicodemus found out. And then it moves into, the story moves into uh, how that happens. And uh, probably the most famous Bible verse in the whole Bible, where John 3.16, you could quote it with me, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And uh, what a lot of times we church folk forget is verse 17, that God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we walk through that, and then we come to the next story, and that's where I want to spend our time this morning. And I want to give you six things about you and about the way that you are going to do life this year. That if you'll put these principles in place, it can be in a messed up, you're going to fail a lot kind of way, it can be a different kind of year for you. It really can. And so I want to walk through these six ways, and uh, it'll be real simple today. And uh, I want to give you some handles on what Jesus is saying in this passage but let's read it first john chapter 3 verse 22 it'll be on the screen if you don't have it but here's what here's what the bible says it says and after this jesus and his disciples went into the judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing john this is john the baptist also was baptizing at anon near salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. So that's the setting. Jesus is baptizing over here. John is baptizing over here. Uh, Jesus' ministry is growing. John the Baptist's ministry is going to start slowing. And it's a, really a transition. Uh, in our terms, it's a transition of power. And you're going to see in just a second, these religious leaders come and they begin to look at the situation that's happening between John and Jesus. So let, let's read it. Verse 25. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing. And all are going to him. That's a problem. Let me just tell you, as a church planter, <laughs> if somebody plants right over here and you all go to him, I'm going to have a hard time with that. All right? That, you know, sometimes we read these stories and we, we just think, well, Bible guy, he just kind of got it. He just, you know, he was, he was special. I'm not. But John was a human. There's only... One guy who lived on earth as a human who did it perfectly. 
And his name was Jesus. So, if I was John, and if you were John, (laughs) that's a real problem. And his followers noticed. His followers noticed. But listen to what John says here in verse 27. John answered, and here's how you can be a new you this year. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend, the third wheel of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. What an awesome statement. You should highlight that in your Bible. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. What an interesting way to respond to a human problem. See, the human problem is what you and I see in front of us in our life right now. If I was to go around the room, every single one of you would be able to look me in the eye and say, in 2018, is that what's coming up? Go look at my wife here. What? I get this wrong all the time. I always tell people we started in the wrong year, our church. So 2018, happy new year, by the way, 2018, you could look me in the eye and it wouldn't take you but a few seconds to give me three or four things that if you had the power from an earthly standpoint, you would change it. You would change it. You could give me things that you would change in your life personally, in your family's life, in your city's life, in your country's life, and in the world. You know, I'm sure you've heard the statement, if God answered all your prayers, how, whose life would change, yours or everybody else's? Right? Like We, we think through those things and, and we understand that. Things are broken here. Since the garden in Genesis first three chapters, things haven't been right. But God in his providence has left you here. And when he taught his disciples how to pray, he told you why. You're here to join God in the renewal of all things. That you would be an agent in bringing his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. And I want to give you six ways that you can start doing that today. Six things. So number one, if you're taking notes, you'll see there's a blank there. You have to start with the right discussion. You have to start with the right discussion. Listen to what they're talking about. Okay, a lot of times we we knock the religious people in the New Testament, and usually rightfully so. But here they're asking a good question, aren't they? It says a discussion in verse 25 arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over what? Purification. How many of us on this New Year's, our desire 
is to get closer to the purity line before God or how close to the line can I get in doing what I want to do? Right? What's the discussion we're usually having as Christians? Can, can, I, can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? What's the Bible say about that? Am I allowed to do that? When the one thing that these first century Christians really had right was they were having the right discussion. They may have gone about it in the wrong motives a lot of times. Even the Pharisees uh, may have had the wrong motives and uh, enjoyed their power a little too much. But let's be real, especially those of us in in the younger generation. We could stand to start having more of a discussion about how we can be pure before God instead of what we can do. Does that make sense? You following me? Because they're having the right discussion here. And then they ask the right question. See, another thing that we tend to do is, uh, and I'm, I'm lumping all of us in, okay? I'm taking liberty and putting my arms around all of you and bringing all of you into this discussion. All right? Because one of the things we tend to do then is as we begin to have these conversations about what is okay and what's not okay and how should we follow Jesus, uh, we tend to look for the things in the Bible that pad what we feel is right. Don't we? Are you guilty of that? I am. I I am. And it's natural for us because we uh, are either offended by one thing or we don't think one thing's right and uh, we kind of put up walls and we kind of get defensive and we're a little bit combative. Those of us who have been Christians for a long time. But they ask the right question here. They go to the right source and they ask the right question. Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. If I have one goal as your pastor, it would be that you would ask the right questions. That it wouldn't be that my eloquence or my ability would be what you walk out of this place thinking about. Great sermon. That's really, I failed if that's what you do. What I want you to walk out is thinking about Jesus to whom I bore witness. Because they're asking the right question because John was teaching the right thing. And as we gather as the church here, we want to have the right discussion and be asking the right questions about the one to whom we bear witness. You see, if you step into a new year, the reality of the situation is it's the same you. But what you can do is change the discussion. What you can do is change the questions you're asking. The questions can stop starting with me, myself, and I, and start with he, him, and they. And it will change the discussion. But then John gives number three, the right answer. And here's why I bring that up. Because you and I, we have the right answer. So, John 
is teaching the right thing. And this morning, I want you to get the right answer for you in this new year. Look back at verse 28. You yourselves, or no, verse 27. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. That is the answer to all of your problems. But here's the catch. God is going to answer your prayers. <laughs> sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's maybe or wait. And sometimes it's no. You see, if, if you're praying a prayer and asking God for something, he's going to answer you. The Bible says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man has great power. God's going to use it, and God's going to answer it, but he may not answer it the way you want him to. And that's why we have to start with the right discussion. We have to ask the right question because we know we're going to get the right answer. God's going to give you the right answer for what you're dealing with, the right answer for what our world is dealing with, the, the question is, will you trust the fact that he's God and you're not? That you would rest in his promises, that you would trust in his word, and that when he answers, you would listen. The right discussion leads to the right questions and the right answer. And what I love about the Bible is that it immediately comes back to the gospel. That's the next one. That's number four, the right gospel. It always comes back to Jesus. And that's really where this title came from. Because it's New Year, same you. But in Christ, uh, you can be new. It's 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven That God chooses to use the weak things of the world, the same you, to shame the wise. To confound, one translation says, the strong. But listen to what he says in verse 28. He says, you yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ. In other words, it's not about me. It's not about these people staying on this side of the river, baptizing with me. And by the way, it's not about this church growing. I hope it does. I pray it does all the time. But it's not about this church growing. It's about the church growing. And so if you're here today and this one doesn't click, go somewhere else. Just go. It, it, it's not okay to not go. You've got to go. We aren't the Christ. But I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That Christ is your answer. Christ is everything. And we, as Christians, bear witness to him. It's the gospel. And then it moves into what you can actually do. See, those things are up to God. But what happens when grace comes into your life? It always goes out. When grace comes in, grace goes out. And so listen to this. Here's, here's two things that we 
do. The first one's our response. There is a right response to the gospel coming into your life. Look at, look at verse uh, number 29 in the middle there. It says, the friend of the bridegroom. That would be enough, by the way, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be enough that Jesus has called you friend? What an amazing privilege. God could choose to refer to you as whatever he wants. And the things that he chooses in scripture to refer to you as are friend, bride, and sheep. (laughs) A right response. Listen to this. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him. That's why you're here today. That's why you're here. As you worship and as you listen to the word and as you study the word, you're listening for him. And if you're not hearing him, it's not a good day at church. Who stands and hears him, listen to the response, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. I love that statement. Did that characterize 2017 for you? That you, when you heard the bridegroom's voice, that you rejoiced greatly. You rejoiced greatly. One of the things that happens in a young church or a church plant is we get bogged down in the details. And details are great. And we got to do the details. Otherwise, you people won't come back. (laughs) So I get that. But details aren't the goal. The goal is to hear the bridegroom's voice and rejoice. That's church. That's why we gather. We gather to hear the bridegroom's voice. And then, John says, your joy will be complete. There's no doubt that in this room today, some of you have searched for joy in a lot of places. You have looked for happiness in a lot of people, in a lot of jobs, in a lot of money, in a lot of you name it, whatever it is for you. And God's never given it to you because he wants you to know that it's his voice and it's your relationship with him that will make your joy complete. Why was John the Baptist the guy who said that? Because John the Baptist chose to have nothing. He was in the wilderness. He wore weird clothes. He ate weird things. And they were all free. And he just kept saying, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. And what I want to say to you this morning, as we turn another year Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. What's the Bible say? Fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the author and perfecter of your faith. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. How do you do that? So you get the right discussion, the right question, the right answer, the right gospel, the right response, and it leads to this a right mindset. A right mindset. Verse 30, you know it, you know it well, you've heard it, you've seen it on a coffee mug. They just forgot the part where it wasn't about you prior to that, all right? He must increase, but I must decrease. 
that's going to have to be the cry of your heart. It's going to have to be a, a prayer request because none of you, none of me <laughs> naturally do that at all. We don't. We don't. We can get there in the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit, but we don't do that naturally. He must increase, but I must decrease. What an amazing thing that here come his followers, the people that he had reached, the people that he had discipled, and they come to him and they say, John, this guy that you said was so great is stealing all your people. What's up with that? And his response, his mindset is, wow, I heard his voice. I heard his voice. He must increase and I must decrease. Is that the cry of your heart today? Your joy can be made complete if your eyes are fixed on Jesus. And he is increasing and you are decreasing. It's countercultural. It's not what you're going to hear anywhere but here. And that's why you should listen to it. Why not you stand with me? Let's pray. I want to take just a couple minutes here. The band's going to play in the background. But what, what I would like to encourage you to do is to spend some time in prayer with the Lord today. We've got some mats up here that you can kneel on. You can kneel at your chair. You can uh, grab somebody next to you, grab your spouse or grab a friend. You can come uh, grab one of the pastors or, well, two of them. The other two are going to be strumming, so they can't pray with you. But uh, we'd love to pray with you about what you're praying about. And, uh, but my, my main goal for you would be that in this moment as you pray, that you would listen for his voice and that you would rejoice in hearing that voice and that you would find your joy in that voice and that as your joy is made complete this year in him that your mindset moving forward would be one that is totally countercultural, totally otherworldly one that you would cry out every day, he must increase and I must decrease.